0: Hey, what's up, you guys? This is Bert. I'm the lead pastor at True North Community Church. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. I'm going to have a little something to say to you at the end, but for now, let's dive in. All right, we're diving in tonight to a message called The Missing Peace. And if you've been with us the last uh, kind of several Sundays, uh, you may know we've been we've been kind of zeroing in on this concept uh, called shalom. The idea that peace, you know, the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. And in the Bible, it means Kind of a wholeness. What's up, guys? How we living? Uh, it kind of means a wholeness, friends, peace. Uh, a wholeness, yeah? A- and in the scriptures, we find this word from time to time. And, and, you know, the word peace tends to show up a lot around Christmas, you know, uh, some of you probably have a, a Christmas ornament on your tree that just says peace on it. You know, the, this word peace on earth, you know, like it it, 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 it arrives around this time of year and kind of hangs out. You hear it a lot in Christmas songs, you hear it a lot in sayings and things and in decorations, and we don't really take a lot of time to ponder what it means. In the message we're, we're kind of wrapping up this, this evening, in the message series we're wrapping up this evening, we talked earlier about how... Peace is not a matter of having all your problems solved. Some of us are here tonight, some of you are here tonight, and you're just thinking, if I could get through this, then I'd be at peace. If I could just deal with this situation, then I'd be at peace You know, if I could just handle this financial debacle that I'm in, if I could just get this legal situation cleared up, if I could just figure out a way uh, to to, to reconcile with this person or hit this financial goal, or as soon as I get, you know, just fill in the blank for yourself because we all have a thing. If I could just get this thing taken care of, then I'll be at peace. And the truth is, peace is not a matter of having all your problems solved. You could check all those boxes and handle all those problems and still not be at peace peace and that's because peace is not the absence of something peace is the presence of something and more to the point the presence of someone last week uh, i'm sorry in week two we talked about how to handle difficult people some of you in the next 48 hours are going to have christmas dinner with somebody difficult are you not oh nobody wow that's great your families must be awesome yeah, no, we're gonna have Christmas. There's gonna come on, isn't there one in every family? There's one in every family. There is. If you don't think there's one in every family, the one might be you. <laughs> Just gonna you know, throw that out there. Okay, so um, you're gonna have dinner with somebody difficult, right? And what we talked about in week two was hey, uh, being offended is inevitable. Yeah, being offended is inevitable. At some point, somebody's going to say something that offends you. Being offended is inevitable. Living offended is a choice. Living offended is a choice. You don't have to live offended. You don't have to take offense. You can actually decide ahead of time, I'm going to love that person even if I find them offensive. I'm going to get out ahead of being offended and love that person. And you can actually find some peace in this because when you're too busy loving somebody to be offended, you're not offended. It's beautiful. So you can, you can kind of pick that up along the way if, if, if that interests you. That stuff is all, that, those messages are online. Last week we talked about how to find peace, how to find a little bit of shalom when God makes you wait, which for me is like the worst torture ever. I don't know why God doesn't always do things on my timeline, but the truth is he doesn't. Tonight, we're going to visit kind of a topic that you might not expect us to dive into on, on at our Christmas service. We're going to talk about how to find a little peace when God disappoints you. Have you ever felt like God had disappointed you? Some of you guys have had that kind of a year, yeah? Like you just you're looking up to heaven and going, what 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 on earth? Can you, can you guys uh, dial back the clock with me to last year at New Year's Eve? Let's go back 51 weeks. New Year's Eve 2022, just about a year ago, as, the new, as this year was beginning, not ending, as, 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 as of New Year's Eve last year, you guys remember what you were thinking? Anybody here ha- have some optimism? Anybody, anybody here like hoping for a great year that didn't quite come true? Yeah. Uh, last, right around this year, right around this time last year, I was extremely disillusioned. Uh, I was, I was, in uh, point of fact, very discouraged because I was not just seeing the world through the lenses of like the way you guys are. I mean, I, I am seeing, the with the pandemic, I, I'm riding this out the, way, the same way everybody else is with, with my family and friends. But I'm also seeing it through the lenses of a pastor. And we had, this church was kind of at a certain place before the pandemic. And then the pandemic comes, and basically everything just kind of got shut down and cut in half. And it, it was discouraging and disillusioning. And, and just, if you guys remember, last fall, it felt like we were coming out of, of COVID world. And then last Christmas, like we just got pummeled again with a whole other wave of it. You guys remember that? Yeah, everybody's trying to forget. I was discouraged, and I came to the edge of 2022 and just thought, God, I'm just, I'm kind of hoping a bunch of things happen this year. Like, I'd love to see a bunch of this stuff occur. And maybe you had the kind of year you didn't wish for. Maybe, you know, you're here tonight, and you didn't didn't see this health crisis coming. There's going to be an empty seat at your Christmas dinner table. or the divorce, or the bankruptcy, or here you are spending Christmas alone, again. And you didn't sign up for that, right? Anybody here, come on, have you ever looked at God and just gone, hey, this was not in the brochure. I didn't sign up for this. This was not supposed to be part of the plan. The plan was supposed to go a different way. I had a a plan, it was a good plan. You could have got on board with my plan and everything would have been cool, God. This was not supposed to be in, in the plan this, whatever this is. We're not the only ones to feel that way. And to illustrate that, we're going to dial it back, back to the way back and head to Luke chapter 2. These are the same verses you've heard at every Christmas service you've ever been to in your life, and you heard them twice if you saw the Charlie Brown Christmas special. But maybe tonight through a different set of lenses, yeah? Yeah. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. So 400 years of silence comes to an end this interminable period of time between the last the last word spoken by the last prophet of the old covenant and now the voice of god is heard upon the earth once again in the sound of a baby crying if we needed therapy he would have sent a therapist if we needed laws he would have sent a politician If we needed learning, he would have sent a teacher. But what we needed was hope. What we needed was peace. What we needed was the forgiveness of our sins. And so he sent a savior. That was his purpose, that's what he was after all along. But that purpose didn't line up well with the plans of the principal players in the story. Mary and Joseph were real people. They were engaged. Mary and Joseph were engaged, right? So what that means is they're making plans. They're dreaming dreams. Mary, by all accounts, is a teenager at this time. So she's first of all thinking, awesome, I'm finally going to be able to move out of my parents' house. She's dreaming of the day when she can move out of her parents' house. Some of you are dreaming of the day when you can move out of your parents' house. Some of your parents are dreaming of the day when you will move out of your parents' house. So she's excited. She says, I'm going to move out of my house my parents' house, uh, Joseph, I'm in love with this guy. And Joseph, now we, you know, Joseph. Joseph's a regular guy. He's a carpenter, right? And the Bible doesn't tell us if he was a good carpenter or a bad carpenter. We don't really know. But we're going to assume that the guy that the Lord chose to be Jesus' stepdad was good at what he did. We're going to give him the benefit of the doubt and assume that Joseph had some plans. You know, like Joseph had a carpentry shop and one maybe he wanted his own shop someday. Or maybe he wanted a franchise of carpentry shops. Maybe he had a certain way of making chairs or tables that was really cool and he had these dreams of what could be and, and, and he's excited because he's going he's to marry this girl and they're thinking, you know, they're going to find a little condo to move into. They're going to get a starter home in Nazareth, you know, and, and just get things started. They're dreaming dreams, yeah? They had plans. They had a plan. This was not in the plan. Mary turns up pregnant and she's got to tell him. She's got to talk to him and say, I'm pregnant. Joseph, I'm pre-. So he's like, you're pregnant? And she goes, yeah, and an angel did it. <laughs> so now he's like, seriously? That's the story you're sticking with? You're going to tell me an angel visited you, and now you're, come on. I mean, you, you cheat. It's obvious you cheated on me, and now you're going to lie about it, or maybe you've lost your mind. So Joseph, it says in the Bible, Prepared to divorce her quietly. Why divorce when they weren't actually married? Because in the first century, engagement was a big deal. Betrothal was like almost a legal thing. So Joseph is, you know, planning to divorce her quietly. He's planning to just say, all right, we're we're good. We're going to step away because she's either unfaithful or crazy or both. And then Angel, as it turns out, visits Joseph as well. Says, Joe, stay in your lane. This is from God. This isn't this isn't what you think it is. This wasn't in your plan, but this is part of my purpose. So now all this scandal is swirling around. I mean, it was a big deal to be pregnant outside of wedlock in that time. So everyone's spreading all these rumors about Mary, about how she had run around on Joseph. All of Joseph's friends are like, dude, you can't seriously believe this angel story, right? Like, you understand she's making a fool out of you? They had, there were, do you have, do you have some, uh, do you have a few haters in your life? Anybody? Yeah, there were some haters. There are a lot of people talking smack about Mary and Joseph in that first century. So the stupid census comes, they have to go out of town, they're, they're, they're away in a distant, in this podunk little town called Bethlehem, because that's where he's got to go for his census, the census means you have to go back to the town of your ancestry, and apparently the place is packed right? There's no room for them. Bethlehem, it would appear, is like Brooklyn. Nobody actually lives there, but everybody's from there somehow. So (laughs) they go back to Bethlehem. The place is packed. There's no room. And and, and now, and, and you have this little Norman Rockwell scene, right, you, you got the, you have the mental picture, right, because you've seen a nativity set at some point in your life, there's the, the little manger in the middle, and Mary and Joseph, and there's some animals hanging out, and wise men, and you know, you got a nativity set in your house, maybe there's a plastic one in your neighbor's house that you hate, you know, like whatever it might, you, you've seen a nativity scene in your head, it was nothing like that. It was nothing like that. This was a cave. They didn't build barns for their animals in the first century in this part of the world. This was a hollow spot in a hill, and it was filthy, and it was undignified, and it was was anything but what they had planned. This was not in the brochure. This was not supposed to be. They just endured all this horrible stuff and all this nonsense, and what they didn't, didn't get then and only came to much later was that... While they didn't understand the plan, God still had a purpose. You don't don't have to understand the plan to believe that God has a purpose. Sometimes it doesn't go according to plan. Sometimes your plans end up getting all jacked up. And sometimes you're left there having a... And at the end of a terrible year, kind of going, this this was not supposed to be, this, none of this was was part of the plan. Been there too. Did I ever tell you guys a story of my first, my very first ministry assignment? This is a good one. You're gonna like this. <laughs> I went to seminary for one year after I decided to head into ministry, because I, I, I went to Minnesota. I eventually graduated from a different seminary, but at this school, I lasted one year. I went to Minnesota and lasted one year, and I did that. I came home because I learned that I'm pretty sure it's God's will that no one should ever live in Minnesota. <laughs> you ever been out there? It's weird out there, man. Don't, don't go in winter either. I went out there, it, it got down to negative thirty, it, it was it was 30 below. That's not the wind chill, that's the mercury. Like I was like, this is not fit for human habitation. Y'all are crazy, I'm out. <laughs> Came home and I got a job at a church in northern New Jersey that needed a youth pastor, and that's what I wanted to do. I didn't want to be the pastor of a church. I didn't want to start a church. The word church planting was a phrase I hadn't even heard back then. I wanted to be a youth pastor. I wanted to work with teenagers and college students. I was pretty sure that's where the action is. I still think that's where the action is. So that's what I wanted to do. And I came home, and this church in northern New Jersey hired me. And they, you're not supposed to talk about this stuff out loud, but I can't help myself. It's so good. They paid me the princely sum of $18,500 a year. Thank you very much. Because I was macking it hard. And I thought that was a vast sum of money. And it was a disaster. Oh, guys, it was so bad. The youth group went great. Like, the youth group was dynamite. We had a great time. The kids in the church, like, I, we all got, oh, I should have said this ahead of time. I was still in my heavy metal phase, so I had, like, really long hair. And, like, I didn't look the way I look kind of now. I, I'm not the, 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 the this, this paragon of propriety that you now see before you uh, looked a little different, you know, 30 years ago or so. So I, it was just diff- a different deal. And, uh, but I got along really, really great with the kids in the youth group. The trouble was, other kids started coming to the youth group, other kids from the town. It was a very rural area. And these other kids from the town, they didn't didn't look like the kids from the church. They didn't act like the kids from the church. The the well-kept, well-groomed, proper sons and daughters of this congregation that had hired me we're now at a youth group where there were other kids there were skater kids and these, these kids had patches on their jackets and holes in their jeans and they smoked cigarettes in the parking lot and they smoked other things in the parking lot and they were coming to church and coming to youth group and these other kids were mixing with their kids and pretty soon these other kids started to outnumber their kids the youth group was growing. Amazing things were happening. It was beautiful, but like virtually every parent in this church hated me. There was like a smear campaign. I was, I was never so discouraged in my life. It was my first experience in a church, and, and I all I wanted to do was quit. And I remember vividly thinking, there is an easier way to earn $18,000 a year, and I'm going to find it. I can go back to being a writer. I can go back to being a journalist. I'll I'll find something else to do with my life. And eventually, I I say I quit. The truth is, I quit before they fired me. You ever pulled one of those? (laughs) Yeah, I just resigned. You know, it wasn't working out for me. (laughs) If I stayed, I would have got fired. That's how bad it was. And I was so disillusioned. All I wanted to do was serve God. All I, I was like, come on, I'm, I'm trying to do it right here. I'm trying to, I'm trying to do, do good. I'm trying to do good with my life. I thought this was part of the plan. I had a plan. And what I picked up along the way was my plan wasn't the same as God's plan. While I was trying to work out a plan, God had a purpose. And man, it wasn't until a, a long time later that I picked up, hey, you were learning what a church is supposed to be in that moment. Church is supposed to be for the broken. Church is supposed to be for the skater kids. Church is supposed to be for the messed up kids. You with your, your patches on your jacket and the holes in your jeans and the nicotine stains on your hands. You rolling in here hungover from the night before. You with the issues and the problems and, and the and the whatnot. Some of you are like horrified. That's the kind of church we're in. Yeah, you in the wrong church if that's your thing. <laughs> we're, here's our church, we're the weird kids. Welcome. That's our story. All of us, our cheese is sliding off the cracker. (laughs) All of us shifting the heavy suitcase from one hand to the other as we walk through life, yeah? All of us in need. All of us wondering why this visited us, why this part of the plan came to be. All of us hoping this year will be a little bit better than the one before. I know. I know it hurts. I know you didn't see this cancer diagnosis coming. I know you didn't plan on the divorce. You didn't plan on the bankruptcy. You didn't plan on the issue or the thing or whatever it is that's come to visit you. But you don't have to understand every part of the plan to believe that God has a purpose and he has a purpose For my own part, I'm going to try to stay in my lane and do like Joseph and hope this year brings better things. But even if it doesn't, my part is going to be to believe that even if things don't go according to my plan, that God still has a purpose. And when I can find that, when I can find enough faith to hang on to the idea that God's purpose is bigger than my plan, I find just a little sliver of shalom, just a little bit of peace to hang on to at Christmas. And I wish that for you. I wish that for myself, and I wish that for all of us as we head into these next couple of days with the unchecked boxes, the unsolved problems, the difficult family members who are sure to offend us, the things that we're waiting for that never showed up, and the disappointments we bear. It's my hope that in the middle of all of that, we can celebrate the arrival of the Prince of Peace into our life and know that his purpose is bigger than our plan. May that be so for all of us. And with that, let's close up in prayer. Father, we love you and we thank you for coming into our world, for reaching out into our space. God, we get so impatient when things don't go according to our plan. We just have these plans, and we're so sure that you should line things up according to what we want. Father, can you help us when things don't go according to our plans, when things come at us from left field, when we're shocked, when we're horrified, when we can't figure out what you could possibly be doing? Can you create faith within us to believe, Father? that your purposes are bigger than our plans. And that even if we don't understand what's going on, we can still find faith to believe that you have a purpose even within the difficulty. May that be so in my life. May that be so in all of our lives. We pray together in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks once again for taking the time to listen. It's an honor to have you with us. If you'd like to support our church financially and help us continue to put this content out there for free, that would be a really big deal to us. We're completely supported by the contributions of the people that come to our church. And if you'd like to help, you can do that online at truenorthchurch.net slash give, or you can do it with a text message. Just text the word TRUE NORTH to 77977 on your cell phone, and you'll get a prompt leading you through how to do that. Thanks again for dialing in. See you soon. Bye-bye.